0: to open it to the book of Romans, chapter 8. This is not where the traditional uh, Palm Sunday reading comes from uh, in Romans, chapter 8. But as a church family, for this year, we're going through the whole New Testament, looking at the beginning and the end of each New Testament letter, And so we'd recently looked at uh, events around Holy Week from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so uh, we're actually extending our time in this letter of Romans uh, through the Easter uh, celebrations because it is within this letter that we have one of the greatest minds of the New Testament summarizing the whole of Scripture and its significance for each and every one of us. And so uh, you'll see where many of the themes and the truths that we celebrate on Palm Sunday, uh, come out even in this very passage. But we're gonna read in Romans chapter eight, the first 17 verses. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And that'll conclude our reading for this morning. That first verse is where we'll spend the majority of our time unpacking it. Where Coming into the middle of this letter, but this is a verse worth committing to memory. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the gospel that at the beginning of the letter Paul said he was not ashamed to pronounce to the world, that he could say to anybody he met, whether Jew or Gentile, whether slave or free, whether male or female, that they could know this truth for themselves, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We might ask the question, well, what is unique about now? Why now is there no more condemnation for those who are in Christ? Had we been uh, reading the letter in sequence up until now, at the end of chapter 7, Paul himself was reflecting on this internal struggle that he has. Uh, This is how he describes it. He says in verse 21, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? <clears throat> so, this is uh, one of the, as I mentioned earlier, one of the most brilliant minds in the New Testament who. Knows much more of his Bible than you and I do and who's had a direct encounter with the Lord in a way that you and I never had, but he still looks at himself and he says, there's a conflict inside of me. There's a war going on. It seems like when I try to do the things that I know are good to do and I want to do, there's temptation close at hand. And this conflict seems to not be going on away and sometimes actually that conflict seems to grow the more it is that I try to do what's right and so when I try to follow after God and I try to do what I know is even in my inward being the desire to obey his law there's just constantly tension I'm not always at ease in myself and so he rhetorically says who can rescue me from this struggle and his answer is then in the form of a praise. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The difference now for each and every one of us that we can live lives without fear of condemnation is because we are no longer left to ourselves. We are no longer simply relying on our own strength and our own battle to win the war that's inside each and every one of us. A few uh, chapters before he had said that all of us are in Adam. We all come from uh, the same lineage and our first parents who dishonored the Lord fell from grace and experienced shame and condemnation and then ultimately banishment from the garden where there was peace and proximity with God who made them. And all of us, even before we arrived, uh, now bear the consequences of that as human beings and that's true not just of us, but that's true of all human beings on the planet, that in Adam and Eve's fall, we are condemned. We are outside of paradise. Uh, We are living in a place where so many things go wrong, where so many things aren't the way they should be, where the conflicts that are within us seem to also be all around us in the warring that is going on. And so the good news that we celebrate in the gospel is not that we have now figured out a way just to try a little bit harder. Here's a new diet plan or a workout program or here's the next class you can sign up for online. And once you just take this, you and I can be okay. That's not the good news. The good news that we celebrate now is that all of us who were in Adam can be in Christ. And by being in him, we can now experience fellowship with God, communion with him, with no barrier from our sin or our shame. And so why now? Because the king has come. He has come to rescue us. That's what we celebrate on Palm Sunday. Jesus' entrance as the king into Jerusalem, he did it in a humble means, but part of the prayer that was said as he entered into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday was to cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Hosanna is this prayer putting together two words to say, basically, save us now. We need you quick. Help us now. And Jesus entering into Jerusalem with those cries being offered, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is sort of the prayer and the answer being said at the same time. We need you, and you're here. We're desperate, but you've come. We were almost gone, but you rescued us. The king who we've all been waiting for has come. He entered specifically, physically into Jerusalem that Holy Week in his earthly ministry, which for all of his disciples knew was a point of no return. He knew what was going to take place there, and if he wanted to, he could have avoided it. He never had to go to Jerusalem. He could have been outside of it and safe and secure But because we are outside of the garden, living in a sinful world, struggling with a war inside in each and every one of us, he intentionally put himself inside of it and experienced all of that conflict and all of the consequences of our sin. He could have avoided it, but instead he went to it. And so in that same way, like geographically, he was outside of it but chose to enter into it we can spiritually go from being outside of christ to inside of christ we can experience the total difference that that is for me there was a very uh, just powerful way this sort of reality of being in in a very short period of time in two totally different places and experiences but actually with the same people came home to me yesterday it was about nine o'clock last night when we were at the wedding reception for Andy Hopson and Tori Coyle and celebrating as now uh, most of the people were dancing and other people were talking and I was sitting there and I noticed uh, Steve Holsenbach's mom uh, sitting down at the table and then I realized we were in a totally different place last week at this very same time and so I went and sat down next to her and I said, at this time, last week, we were together in a hospital room praying for your son. Did you think a week later we would be here watching him dancing on a floor, celebrating the goodness of what God has done in Andy's life? And she's like, no, I didn't, I didn't think we would be here. And I was like, I didn't think we would be here. How amazing is this? that we can go from being in one set of circumstances with one list of questions and concerns and not all of those are removed and gone but for a a bit of time for us to be able to now celebrate that we're not in a hospital room wondering what the next test result is going to be but here we are surrounded by joy and celebration and goodness and we can enter into it. That's sort of the difference that Happens when we are going from being in Adam to being in Christ, from relying upon ourselves and our efforts to win this battle and saying, I'm not sure I'm ever going to overcome myself. (laughs) I'm not sure I'm ever going to defeat the demons that are within me. To then standing in a new reality and saying, hey, the day I stopped relying on myself was the day I could now say, There is therefore now no condemnation for me. How did that happen? Because I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm not thinking that I'm going to win this war. He has brought me into his fold. He's given us his spirit dwelling within us. And then as we read as it goes on, it says he's adopted us into his family so that you and I who are weak and frail can cry out to him as Abba and Father. This king who has come is both powerful enough to rescue us and good and kind enough to talk to us, to listen to whatever our struggles are, whatever our challenges are. And to have sympathy and empathy for us, like we do all of the lovely children that we just saw stand before us. We can rejoice in the simplicity of their lives and perspectives and their cries and their smiles. And Paul is saying that's how our Heavenly Father views us, and He has sent His Son, the King, to come powerful enough to rescue us and to bring us into a new reality. Where rather than feeling overwhelmed by all of our faults and failures we're in a new environment of safety and security that we can bring all of those things before him and say God can you help me with this (laughs) you know where my weaknesses are you know where the temptations are and I've learned that I'm losing the ability to fight them on my own but I want to rest in you and experience the goodness of what you have offered if 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 you don't have a Bible still open, I invite you to open it again to just see how this chapter continues, to see this theme. We'll pick it up in verse 26 of Romans chapter eight. This is the ongoing goodness that you and I can experience in this new reality of being in Christ. Romans 8, 26, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son." In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Well, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect It preaches itself. I don't need to say much more than what it says. So then the last thing for us to consider is, so why not today? If the king has come and made possible for each and every one of us that we can now know life in him without condemnation or shame, and we can look forward into life and know that nothing would ever be able to separate us from that love, then why not today place yourself in his care? Why not today place the hope of your eternity in his hands and no longer yours? Why not today experience unconditional love that will not change as you and I change, but will remain a constant in each and every circumstance. Why not today enter into the joy of the Lord who was willing to enter into Jerusalem for you and for me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the goodness of your word and the greatness of your love that you heard and responded to the cries of your people who asked for you to save them now and that we can know the strength of that love and be drawn into it still 2,000 years later to know that you are still uh, revealing yourself to us because the battle that we face is still ongoing that we are just as unable to save ourselves as they were back then. And as we're confronted with that and we can despair of ourselves and say, who can rescue us from this battle? We say thanks to you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for being available for each and every one of our weaknesses when we don't even know what to pray for being able to interpret the groanings of our hearts and for being the only one who can see us all the way through that we who place our faith and our hope in you will be justified and glorified never separated from the strength of your love Oh Lord, we pray that through your spirit you would also make today for many a new day where they would experience this, the stark contrast of no longer relying upon their own strength and dealing with the ongoing shame that comes from that but trusting in you that they would Know the goodness and the sweetness of living in the awareness that there is now no condemnation for them because of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We invite you.